Welcome to the Love and Light Live podcast, empowering crystal lovers to learn and experience the art of crystal healing. Get ready to listen in and follow your soul calling with crystals. Hello, and thank you so much for joining me for the Love and Light Live podcast brought to you by loveandlightschool.com. I'm your host, Ashley Levy, and this podcast is the number one place for all things crystals. In today's show, we'll explore how to make your very own crystal-charged moon water step-by-step. But before we get started, I'd like to answer one of our listener questions. Remember, you can submit your own question anytime at loveandlightschool.com ask for the chance to have your question answered right here on the show. Today's questions come from Jackie, and Jackie says, what are the best crystals for each room of your house or apartment to give the best vibrations and vibes for the purpose of the room? Well, Jackie, you are in luck. I actually have a blog post about this exact thing over on the website. Uh, You can head over to loveandlightschool.com slash blog and do a search for transform your home into sacred space with healing crystals. That's the name of the post. And it breaks down working with different crystals in your space to shift the energy of your environment. And so I've broken down these different areas of the home, living room, dining room, bedrooms, bathroom, hallway, office, kitchen. You can find my recommendations for each of those and why I suggest those. Um, So just to quickly answer your question here, for the living room, I recommend carnelian and red jasper. For the dining room, chrysocolla and azurite. For the bedroom, rhodochrosite and pink calcite. For the bathroom, black onyx and sodalite. The hallway, clear quartz or rutilated quartz. For the office, bloodstone or dragonstone. And for the kitchen, green aventurine and peridot. And if you want to find out the purposes for each of those, as well as print out a really handy little infographic reminder, just head over to loveandlightschool.com slash blog and look for that article titled Transform Your Home into Sacred Space with Healing Crystals. Jackie goes on to say, I have a large collection all on a display table in my hallway. I want to put them into practice and purpose rather than clustered together in one room. I'm afraid it will become too overwhelming having them all in one spot. So Jackie, I totally hear you on this, um, but this is something I think we get a little too nervous about. If we just have crystals on display, kind of for storage, that's okay. The energy shouldn't be too chaotic or overwhelming as long as you're cleansing them fairly regularly. Once every month or so, every other month would be fine for crystals that aren't in active use. But if you wanted to start actively using them, really putting some intention and purpose behind the way that they're arranged in your space and where they're placed, then you'll need to cleanse them a little bit more regularly because they are in active use. And here's the thing, if you're limited on space, just store them where you can. A lot of people aren't gonna like hearing this, but I have several of my crystals stored in a little hallway that goes up to my attic. Um, Unfortunately, having as many stones as I do and needing them for teaching and classes, I have a lot of crystals and I can't possibly have them all out displayed in my space. I'd love to but it's just not feasible. So I have them on a little shelf tucked away at the bottom of a walkway. It's almost like a closet 
Um, And then it goes up to my attic space. And so, you know, do what you can. When my husband and I lived in the apartment that we were in uh, before we were able to purchase our home, I didn't have really any space at all. The only area that I had for my crystals was on a windowsill. And that was, you know, kind of what was available at that time. And I made it work. So don't think that this has to be extravagant. Don't overthink it. Just kind of allow yourself to move some of those crystals around, see where they feel good to you. And here's the other thing. It's always good to make small changes a few at a time rather than feeling like you have to move everything at once. So this doesn't have to be a day-long project of finding new homes for every single crystal on the table that's in your hallway. Move one or two. Sit with it for a few weeks. See how you feel about that energy and if it's working for you. If it's not, move them again until it kind of feels right. And then slowly move a few more and a few more until you're happy with the result. It's better to make these smaller changes so that we can get used to the energy. We can kind of tune in and see if it's working how we expect it to rather than making a ton of big changes at once and being unable to pinpoint what feels off if it's not working for you. So smaller changes, a little bit at a time, and you'll be good to go. Now, Jackie has another question here. Jackie says, I seem to only vibe with rose quartz. It's my first crystal I got in July of 2021, and nothing seems to feel as strong or anything at all when I hold or meditate with them. Is it because I need to have it fix a problem before moving on to another stone? So Jackie, this is a really good question and super interesting. So first and foremost, there are certain crystals that you're just going to click with. Like right away, your connection flows really easy. You feel really drawn and attracted to those crystals. And there are other crystals that might not capture your attention. You might not really feel anything from. And that's okay. I have some crystals from very early on that I still connect so deeply with and others that eventually I kind of moved on from and started working with something else. You may find that this particular rose quartz in your collection is a really close companion that you stay aligned with for a long time into the future, or you may find in six months or a year, you don't vibe with that one so much anymore and something else catches your attention. I think the things that we really need in our lives to support us to support the work that we're doing. Those are the crystals that we really seem to connect to. And sometimes those relationships are short-term and sometimes they're long-term. But it definitely is not an indication that there's something there that needs to be fixed. Although I do think once in a while, we vibe with a crystal for this reason. For the most part, I think we just connect with the energy that we need. And this isn't necessarily that there's, you know, something that's a problem or something that's broken with us. It can just be that that is an energy that's really supportive for where we're at in that moment. So Jackie, I would say if there are other crystals that you'd like to start to develop a relationship with, just keep at it. And remember that our physical feeling of the energy is only one small part of the way that we can connect with crystals. There are so many other ways to go about working with them. Other than just meditation, you can put them in a crystal grid, you can incorporate them into a layout, and as we'll learn later in the show, you can even use them to create a special crystal-charged moon water that you can use in your space. 
So hang in there. You're doing great. Just give it time. Just like anything, this is a relationship that we need to work on building and it doesn't always happen overnight. So have a little patience for building that relationship and feel some gratitude for the great relationship that you have with your rose quartz. So thank you, Jackie, for your excellent questions. I hope that this helped give you some things to consider and ponder and explore with your crystals. Do you feel intuitively called to work more deeply with your stones? To grow your confidence, knowledge, and connection to crystal energy beyond what you can learn on your own? Our award-winning Crystal Healing Certification Program will take you from crystal lover to a confident, certified crystal healer and help you discover your soul's path and crystal purpose. Maybe you want to deepen your personal spiritual practice by connecting more deeply to your stones. Or maybe you're already working with crystals, but you want to learn some more advanced energy healing techniques. Wherever you're at on your crystal journey, the Love and Light School's CCH program can help you become the confident and intuitive crystal healer you know you can be. Are you ready to listen to the nudges from the universe and take the next steps on your crystal journey? Our CCH program is here to support you every step of the way. Well, now it's time to dive into our main topic for today, how to make crystal moon water. So one really simple way to connect with the energy of the moon is to create your own crystal charged moon water. And I have so many people that say that they're really intimidated to do this. You know, they want to make sure that they're doing it right. They're afraid to make a mistake or what do they actually do with it once they make it? So we're going to cover all that in today's episode. So first, why would we want to create moon charged water? What really is this? Well, the moon being our nearest celestial body, has a really deep impact on us. The power of the moon and its long history of connection to magic and mystery and connecting us with its energy can really help us live in alignment and flow with natural cycles. And if you've been listening to the podcast for a long time, you know that this is something that I am so, so drawn to in all of my work, and I try and combine this with my crystals as much as possible. So by preparing a crystal moon water essence, you're capturing the moon's energy in the water to create a sacred essence that you can use for cleansing, for ritual and ceremony, and a lot more. You can even take your moon water to the next level with some flower essences or essential oils and create a special mist for your sacred space, which I'll share with you a little bit later. So to create your crystal moon water, you'll need a couple supplies that you probably already have around the house. You'll need a crystal of your choice and one that connects with lunar energy is best. So think of kind of a moon themed crystal. If you need some help choosing a good one, you may want to check out my previous blog post and podcast episode, the 11 best crystals for making magic with the moon. And I break down these different stones and why they're so good for connecting with lunar energy. So things like selenite, moonstone, clear quartz, pearl, lapis lazuli, blue kyanite, aquamarine, and the list goes on and on. There are quite a few more. Check out that blog post, 11 best crystals for making magic with the moon. I also have a podcast episode and video for that if you want a little bit more detail. 
You'll also need a small glass container and a medium glass container. And you just have to make sure that you can fit the smaller glass container inside of the slightly larger one. That's the most important thing. You'll also want a jar or a water bottle with a tight fitting lid and some water. Spring water or distilled water is best, but in a pinch, you can definitely just use tap water. So again, like I said earlier, creating this crystal moon water is a really magical way to work with your stones and with the energy of the moon. So in a traditional gem water or crystal essence or crystal elixir, we're basically creating an energetic imprint of the crystal captured by the water, similar to the way a flower essence is created. So in a traditional gem water or crystal essence, you're just using the energy of the stone to enhance the water. But in this adaptation, we're also incorporating the energy of the moon. And you can do this based on a specific full moon of the year, like I talk about in my book, Cosmic Crystals. You can look at the moon in a certain sign, or you can use a specific phase of the moon, which is what I'm going to recommend in today's episode. So when you work with this moon water, your energy body takes on the energy from the imprinted water and the qualities of the stone together, along with the moon phase that you've created this water under, and this gets integrated into your energy field. So for this reason, I do recommend that you check a lunar calendar and choose an evening to create your crystal moon water when the moon is in the phase that's most related to your magical intentions. So each phase of the moon has specific correspondences and specific energies. So you'll want to look through those correspondences, figure out which one is aligned with the reason for creating this magical moon water, which will largely depend on how you want to use it, what you want to use it for, and then create the moon water on an evening when the moon is in that phase. So I'm going to share some common correspondences for each moon phase at the end of this episode, but you can also check out my book, Cosmic Crystals, rituals and meditations for connecting with lunar energy, or you can head over to this week's blog post at loveandlightschool.com to see a little breakdown of each lunar phase and its main correspondences for even more information about working with crystals and the moon. So to begin making your crystal moon water, you want to just make yourself comfortable in your sacred space after gathering your supplies and then pick up your chosen moon crystal. Take a minute to close your eyes and hold this crystal in your hands. Raise your hands above your head up toward the moon and think about your motivation behind connecting with the energy of this particular moon phase. Why is this important to you? What do you hope to achieve? What do you want to feel or what do you want your life to look like or feel like once you've been able to deepen your connection to this particular lunar energy? and hold these thoughts in your mind and visualize the energy from the moon moving down into your crystal, into your energy field surrounding you and connecting you with the moon. And when you're ready, just bring your arms down to your sides and place the stone in front of you. Now it's time for your supplies. So you're going to set your larger glass container on a level surface, preferably near a window, and then place your smaller glass container inside of the large glass container. So it's best if you can place this smaller glass container all the way off to one side of the bigger container rather than directly in the center because it makes pouring the water in, which we'll do in just a couple steps, a little bit easier. So once your small container is inside of the larger container, you're going to place your lunar crystal inside of the small container. 
Next, you're going to slowly pour your spring water or distilled water into the larger container so that it surrounds the smaller container, but you're gonna make sure that there's no water in the smaller container. Only your crystal should be in the smaller container. So now you have a big glass container filled with water and off to one side, there's a smaller glass container with your crystal. So you wanna make sure that when you're pouring the water in, it's not going up above the rim of that smaller container. This is what's known as the indirect method of preparation of a gem essence or crystal elixir, since the water is charged by the energy of the stones without the stone ever making direct contact with the water. This is the method that I personally use for all of my essences because it's much safer than immersing your stone in the water, and it's the only method of essence preparation that I recommend. It's also really important to note here that you should never ever use radioactive stones in crystal healing or elixir preparation. And I don't expect that will be an issue for most of you, but it never hurts to put safety first. So if you were creating a traditional gem water or crystal essence, you'd allow the water to sit for anywhere between two to 24 hours. But since we really wanna add a little lunar magic here, since this is a moon water, we're going to allow this essence to charge in the moonlight overnight. So again, place your containers near a window or in a spot where they'll have access to the moon's energy. It's great if the water can be in the direct moonlight, so it'll be really charged up with that good moon energy. But if you don't have a spot where that's possible, don't worry about it. It's okay. It doesn't have to be in the direct moonlight. Now, one other thing to note here is if you're creating your crystal moon water on the evening of a dark moon where there won't be any moonlight, that's okay. You want to create your moon water under the moon phase that's most aligned with your magical intention or purpose, and the whole purpose of choosing the dark moon would be the absence of light. So that kind of especially speaks to why the direct moonlight isn't necessary. Now you might also want to cover your containers to prevent any unwanted dust or debris from getting in your water and then allow your crystal infused moon water to charge up under the moonlight until the next morning. So when you wake up in the morning, first thing when you get up, gently remove the smaller glass container that has your lunar crystal from the larger container with the water. Then pour this energy infused water into a new clean glass container with a tight fitting lid and store it in the refrigerator. And you can keep this lunar charged crystal water in the refrigerator for up to three days and work with it again in ritual ceremony for anything related to the purpose or intention that you set that corresponded to the moon phase you chose. Now, if you'd like your crystal moon water to last longer, which I'm sure most of you would, you can add a preservative. I recommend using only grain alcohol, which is a food grade alcohol that's at least 90% alcohol by volume or 180 proof. So add this alcohol preservative in a one-to-one -one ratio of alcohol to crystal moon water. So this means that your finished moon water for storage will be 50% alcohol and 50% water. So if you have two ounces of energy-infused moon water, you'll also want to measure out two ounces of alcohol for the finished preserved water. It's really important for safety that you add the correct type and quantity of alcohol for preserving your crystal charge moon water for longer than the three days, 
to be sure that you do everything in your ability to inhibit any microbial growth. This is the other reason it's really important to work with clean glass containers every step of the way when creating your moon water. And by clean, I don't mean quickly rinsed out. I mean washed with hot soapy water, dried with a clean cloth, and then covered while they're charging. So be sure to keep the preserved water, the one that contains the alcohol, out of the reach of children and pets because of that high alcohol content. Then you can store your bottled preserved moon water in the refrigerator for up to 30 days. But if you see any signs of microbial growth before 30 days, like cloudiness or little floaties, discard the bottle with its contents and don't use it. It's also really important to label the water that you've created with the date that you bottled it so you remember when your 30 days is up. Now, if you want to do something a little bit more fun with this and customize the energy even further, you can create your own vibrational spray. You'll need a small, dark-colored glass spray bottle. Usually you can find these in an amber-colored glass or cobalt-colored glass. And just fill the bottle with your preserved moon water. It's important that you only use the preserved moon water for this. You can then customize this spray with your favorite flower essences or essential oils. Just a couple drops of each. More is not always better here. Just be sure that anything you're adding corresponds to your intention and purpose. And also, if adding something like essential oils, be sure you're not allergic. Then label your spray bottle with the purpose of your intention for your spray. The ingredients that you've added, like any essential oils or flower essences you used, and the date you bottled it. Then you can store your spray in a cool, dark place and enjoy it for up to 30 days. But again, if you see any signs of microbial growth before 30 days, discard the bottle with its contents and don't use it. Remember, choosing that specific crystal and the moon phase under which you create your essence will capture the energy of the stone and the moon. So be sure that you're picking energies that feel most aligned with your magical purpose or intention. And again, if you want help choosing a lunar crystal, you can check out my blog post, the 11 best crystals for making magic with the moon. Now, to help you choose the best moon phase for creating your crystal moon water, I've included a little list over on the blog for every phase in the entire lunar cycle. So I want to run through a few of these common keywords or energies for each moon phase here to help you choose a phase that feels most in alignment with the energies that you'd like to call in. Because I think when most people create moon water, they get hung up on the idea that it has to be created under the light of the full moon. And although that's very common and very popular and each full moon has its own specific energies as well, which can be amazing for specific energies that you wanna call in, we should definitely consider the other moon phases as well. I'm actually recording this podcast during the day, uh, on the day of the full moon, which is pretty exciting. So if you've listened to this after the full moon, don't worry and don't feel like you have to wait for the next full moon to roll around to create your moon water. Choose a phase that feels in alignment and flow with the magic that you'd like to create. So the new moon, let's start there, is all about adventure, anticipation, blessings, new beginnings, opportunities, opportunities surprises, wishes, and positive changes. 
it is after all kind of the start of the lunar cycle. And so it has all this correspondence to a clean slate, fresh new beginnings, starting over. And it's a really exciting time. As the moon's light grows, we move into the waxing crescent moon, which is about action, expansion, growth, knowledge, manifesting, power, progress, and wisdom. And the light continues to grow until we reach the first quarter moon phase, which is connected to bravery, communication, life challenges, love, overcoming obstacles, relationships, romance, and wellness. As the moon's light continues to grow, we get into the waxing gibbous moon phase, which corresponds to acceptance, celebration, decision-making, discernment, jubilation, relaxation, surrender, and tranquility. And then we finally reach the stage of the full moon, which is connected to achievement, completion, dreams, emotions, flow, fulfillment, intuition, manifestation, power, protection, and wholeness. Now, after the moon has become full, it then starts to wane, meaning that the lighted portion of the moon begins to grow smaller. So we enter the phase of the waning gibbous moon, which is all about boundaries, destiny, detachment, letting go, receiving, reflection, release, and rumination. The moon's light continues to wane to the last quarter moon phase, which corresponds to compassion, empathy, epiphanies, independence, oneness, self-discovery, solitude, and strength. Then we reach the waning crescent moon phase, which is about balanced emotions, emotional release, relaxation, rest, retreat, self-expression, solitude, and stillness. And finally, we reach kind of the reset point in the lunar cycle, which is the dark moon. When the moon is completely dark, there's no lighted portion at all. And this phase is about authenticity, healing, magic, mystery, reflection, revelation, shadow work, solitude, stillness, and wisdom. So choose a moon vase that feels really aligned with the energies that you'd like to call in and then use your crystal moon water for magical ritual or ceremony to add a little bit to a ritual bath or you can even create that vibrational spray to use in your sacred space. You can also use a bit of the unpreserved water for offerings on your altar and you can use this water as a cleansing spray for your crystals. I hope that that gives you some fun ideas on how to get started creating your very own crystal charged moon water, as well as inspiring you with a few ways to work with this water in your spiritual practice. The Crystal Healing Certification Program is coming soon. Want to know more? For info, free training, and to get on the list, go to crystalhealerschool.com. Well, that is it for our main segment this week, but I did want to share with you a few things that I'm reading, listening to, and watching for a little behind the scenes into my life. So this week, I'm currently reading three books at the same time. I am reading Glastonbury and the Myths of Avalon by Yuri Leach. This book is all about the Somerset town of Glastonbury and its mythological connections to the ancient Isle of Avalon. 
This book is really cool. It talks a little bit about King Arthur, Excalibur, the history of the Abbey in Glastonbury, as well as some of the amazing myth surrounding the Glastonbury landscape. So if you are at all into Arthurian legend and lore like I am, or the Isle of Avalon, I would highly recommend this book. It is a fascinating read. I'm also reading The Chalice Well, Story of a Living Sanctuary, which was published by the Chalice Well Trust. And I actually picked up this book on my retreat to Glastonbury and the Chalice Well back in September of 2019. And a little embarrassed to say I'm finally just getting around to reading this book, but it's a really fascinating history of the Chalice Well and the Red Spring and understanding all the people that helped truly make Glastonbury and the Chalice Well Gardens what they are today. So this is definitely also a highly recommend. And then finally, I am reading the book Victorian Farm by Alex Langlands, Peter Ginn, and Ruth Goodman. The subtitle of this book is Rediscovering Forgotten Skills. And I don't know if any of you are familiar with the television series Victorian Farm or Edwardian Farm. Um, or Tudor Monastery Farm. Absolutely love all of them. I love Ruth Goodman and Alex Langlands and Peter Ginn. I think that the shows are fantastic. So I did pick up a copy of the book, Victorian Farm, and it's really cool to see everything kind of captured uh, photographically and expanded upon in text. And I really love how the book is broken down into different sections looking at little snippets of Victorian life. Um, there are chapters called Health and Hygiene, Arts and Crafts, and we really get a picture of a day in the life of a Victorian farmer, and I find that personally incredibly fascinating. Um, I'm always looking for ways to get more in touch with the land, and I think that's one thing that for many of us in modern society, we've come a bit disconnected from. And it's so interesting to see how even 120, 150 years ago, how differently people lived each and every day. So if you have an interest in agriculture, history, or the Victorian era, I would definitely recommend this book as well. That's Victorian Farm, Discovering Forgotten Skills. Now, as for what I am currently listening to, I tend to bounce around a little bit from night to night on which book I'm reading or which audiobook I play before bed. I always finish out every night by reading at least 30 minutes of a book that I can hold in my hands, but once I get too tired to hold my book, I'll usually put on an audiobook and fall asleep to it. The only downside of that is having to kind of figure out where you left off the next night, so I always end up repeating a chapter or two because I don't want to miss anything. But right now I'm listening to Le Mort d'Arthur by Sir Thomas Mallory, read by Derek Jacoby uh, from Highbridge Classics. And I'm bouncing that back and forth with Craft, that's C-R-A-E-F-T, by Alex Langlands, read by Matthew Lloyd Davies. Craft is particularly interesting, but I usually try and reserve this one for daytime listening because it's pretty intense in all of the factual information. Um, the subtitle of this audiobook is An Inquiry into the Origins and True Meaning of Traditional Crafts. It's also pretty fascinating, so if that is something you're interested in, uh, I hope that you'll give it a listen. In terms of what I'm watching, <laughs> this is a hard one for me because I normally just watch a lot of documentaries 
or tend to rewatch the same things over and over and over kind of in the background as I do other tasks around the house and that sort of thing. I find watching the same things and listening to the same audiobooks to be quite comforting, to be honest. There's something about getting to know the story or the characters or the people involved or what's happening that I find really puts me at ease. And in terms of documentaries, I usually lean toward historical documentaries, but really just about anything will catch my attention over a trendy television show, to be honest. (laughs) Um, So right now I am watching Antiques Road Trip, which is all about people in the antiques trade going around to different small markets, purchasing antiques, and then selling them at auction, trying to make the biggest profit in some sort of competition. (laughs) It's a little bit campy, but I find it fun. And it's interesting to see what other people are fascinated by when it comes to history and antiques. So if you're looking for something to just kind of stream in the background while you go about your day, I would recommend Antiques Road Trip. It's just kind of fun. And then I always like watching Antiques Roadshow as well. It's a lot less campy because I think it's a little more informational. Um, It doesn't have that weird competition angle to it. Um, And it can be, you know, pretty interesting to see the items that people share on the show and learn a little bit about the history. I feel like every episode I learn something that I didn't know before, and that always makes it worth a watch. So that is it for today. I hope that you found a lot of value in today's show. And if you want more information about anything I discussed in this episode, you can learn more over on the website at loveandlightschool.com blog. If you did enjoy the show today, the biggest compliment you can give me is to leave a quick rating and a review over at loveandlightschool.com iTunes or head over to loveandlightschool.com slash listen to check out everywhere this podcast is streamed and subscribe so you never miss a future episode. That brings us to the end of this episode of the Love and Light Live podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Levy, and I'll be back with you next week. Until then, crystal blessings. The Love and Light Live podcast is a production of the Love and Light School of Crystal Therapy. Connect with us online at loveandlightschool.com or on social at loveandlightschool. The content provided on or through our website or podcast makes no claims for specific or general health or health results and should not be used to examine, diagnose, or treat any medical condition prescribe medications, make claims for specific or general healing or health results, or as a substitute for traditional medical treatment. For medical advice, you should consult a licensed healthcare specialist. For more information, please refer to the terms of use on our website at loveandlightschool.com.